Well, happy Sunday, MCC, and for those of you who are joining us on live, whether you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, we are glad to be together. If you're here with us, whether you're here in person or you're online with us, and today is your very first time with us, we'd love for you uh, to either uh, fill out one of those uh, connect cards that's maybe out there in the back, or if you're watching this online, you can click that link and fill out some stuff there. We are glad that you are here connecting with us today. MCC is a place where anybody and everybody can belong, and you're going to get to experience some of that today, hopefully. So, as most of you know, uh, we've got our kids with us. Again, we are playing around and having some fun with the young people. And today, one of the things we're going to continue to do that we've been doing all along is we're going to mention three things, all right, the kids get to look after through the course of the message, and then they enter their little prize, okay? So those three things, if you're a kid, you need to be listening for three different kinds of animals. Now, grown-ups... You can participate, but you got to find a kid who's willing to cut you in on a slice of that ice cream money, okay? So good luck on that. For those of you who are participating online with your kids, you can submit it there online as well, and uh, we're going to have some fun with that, all right? So today, we're diving into a series talking about how do we hear God speak? That's what we're going to do today. I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into what God has for us today. Jesus. We love you. We thank you for gathering us together today, uh, God, not to, to hear motivational stuff, not to hear some self-help stuff. No, this isn't a TED Talk, God. We gather together under your word. We gather together because you're a loving father, and you want to communicate as a loving father to us as your kids, as your children. And Father, I want to pray a special prayer right now for those who feel like they are not worthy. Like they don't deserve to be counted as a child of God. Like they've done too many things. Like you're a dad who's mad at them. Help them know, God, today that you're a loving father who has a word for them. That wants to speak to them. Who loves them. Who never has and never will stop. We love you, God. And we thank you for that kind of love. That reckless kind of love. That loves us no matter what. In your name. Amen. Alright. I want to talk to you today starting out, about this thing called the Tomatis effect. Not the tomato or tomato, but the Tomatis effect. There's a doctor uh, from France whose name was Alfred Tomatis, and he, he discovered this thing that later became known as the Tomatis effect. Dr. Tomatis was an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Okay, so that's what he worked on. There was a world-renowned opera singer. World-renowned opera singer. Uh, anybody know the Timothy Miller guy that sings at the Braves games? Isn't that amazing? Like, that's the only opera singer I've ever known in my life or ever experienced in my life. But Dr. Tomatis had a case that was one of his most confusing ones ever of this opera singer who, though he had the capability to hit certain vocal notes, for some reason could not get there anymore. And this guy who was a world-renowned opera singer was looting, losing credibility. And so this guy, he was going to a bunch of other ear, nose, and throat doctors, and they were trying to treat him and figure out why on earth he couldn't hit these certain notes anymore. And most of the doctors that he went to, they tried to treat the opera singer's voice. When he went to Dr. Tomatis, though, Dr. Tomatis had a different theory. What Dr. Tomatis did is he got a decibel reader. He took a decibel reader, and he put it up to the opera singer, and he asked the opera singer to go ahead and sing. So the opera singer just lets out, is singing. What Dr. Tomatis comes to find out it's when an opera singer starts to sing, they are hovering right around 140 decibels. So 140 decibels, that is the equivalent to a gunshot. And so what Dr. Tomatis came to find out was it was not a vocal problem, it was an audible problem. And this opera singer had become deaf by his own voice. And that was why he couldn't sing certain notes. 
Here's what Dr. Tomata said. He said, the voice can only produce what the ear can hear. In the French Academy of Medicine, they dubbed this the Tomatis effect. Now, you're sitting there going like, listen, bro, like, like I work construction. Like, I ain't even got an idea of coming up, you know, a, an opera singer. I barely even sing at church. I just kind of move my mouth and say, watermelon, watermelon. And it looks like I'm singing along to those songs y'all are playing. But here's the deal. I know you're not trying to be an opera singer. But just like the opera singer, you've got problems. Whether they're spiritual problems, emotional problems, marital problems, we all have problems. And I don't know about you exactly, but for me, oftentimes, my ability and the way I go about solving my life's problems, they're not always the best. Anybody else, your ability to try to solve your own life problems, you're not, you don't crush it every single time? Yeah, me neither. And I think what happens, or the reason why we're not the best at solving our own problems is oftentimes we are trying to solve the symptoms of our problems instead of solving the root causes. We have a spiritual tomatus effect. It's not so much that you have a spiritual problem or an emotional problem or necessarily even a physical problem. It is that you have a hearing problem. I'm going to make a bold statement right off the bat as we start this series about hearing from God. Hearing from God is a solution to a thousand problems in your life. There, there are so many solutions that being able to actually, what, imagine, think about whatever problem is that you're facing right now. What if you could hear God's voice speaking directly into that? How might that change? How might that solve things? How might things be different? See, here's the deal about God's voice. God speaks love. He speaks joy. He speaks truth. He doesn't just speak condemnation. He doesn't just speak, you know, words of correcting you and getting you to do what's right. God speaks. And these next four weeks, we're going to dive into this. And I'm going to ask you to commit to, to being here, to showing up, or to watching it online. Because here's the deal. Now more than ever, it is critical for us It's God's people. It's critical for us as anybody who's just a human being trying to navigate life in 2020, the year from hell. All right? Heck, sorry, kids in the room. Here's the deal. It has probably now more than ever become difficult to tune into the frequency of God's voice speaking through the noise and chaos and clamor of the world around us. Now, you take that and you add that to the reality that you already had this negative voice in your head, your, your, your own voice saying, I'm just a mess, well, I just can't get it together, well, I just don't have what it takes. Add that on top of the voice of that one person in your past or that coach that said that one thing or that uh, first marriage who ended on this certain way and they said this certain thing as they're parting ways out or that person who you never quite measured up to. You have that voice that reverberates through your head. Add on top of that the most damaging and detrimental voice of all, the condemning voice of our enemy, Satan, who wants you to get to believe lies about who you are and who God is. So in the midst of all of that, it becomes nearly impossible to hear the voice of God through all of that noise, through all of that chaos. But here's the deal. I actually do believe it is possible. And now is the time in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all of this noise, to lean in and say, God, we want to hear from you. I'm going to invite you today to pray a dangerous prayer as we start this series and, and lean into hearing from God. But before I show you and invite you into this dangerous prayer, I'm going to issue a little bit of a warning. See, if you aren't willing to listen to everything that God has to say, you will eventually listen to nothing God has to say. And that's a hard reality. Because the more you ignore God, the easier it becomes 
to ignore God. And oftentimes, the things that we need to hear most are the things we want to hear least. But friends, I believe you want to hear what God has to say to you. For every single one of you, whether you're a young kid, squirrel, or a grown-up, he wants to speak to you, to you. He has a a word directly for you. And so I'm going to invite you to pray a bold prayer. A bold prayer that a young kid, eight-year-old kids in the room, eight-year-olds, all right, seven-year-olds, six, yeah, yeah, I see you back there, Nathaniel, looking good. I'm going to ask you to to pray a bold prayer, a seven, eight-year-old kid prayed. There's a story in the book of 1 Samuel. You can flip over to 1 Samuel. It's kind of that front half of the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. You don't have a Bible or you don't have it on your phone. It's going to be on the screen, so don't feel bad. But there's this interaction happening between this young child who's living at the temple with the priest who's there at the temple. He's sleeping, and he hears his name being called. And like any kid who hears their name being called, he wakes up and thinks it's a grown-up calling his name. He does that a few times. He eventually goes to the grown-up. He goes to Eli and says, yeah, what's going on? What do, you, what do you need? And then Eli goes, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. You're dreaming. He comes back again, and then it clicks with Eli, and he goes, no, 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 that's, that's, that's God calling you. The next time you hear your name being called, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And so this young eight-year-old, he comes to this moment, and he prays this prayer. If you've got a Bible, it's 1 Samuel 3.10. It says, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Now, you put your name in right there. Because, friends, I believe God is calling you. I, I believe he has a message. He, he has been calling your names. Now, some of you, you know that because you know you've been ignoring it. But he's calling your name. And here's how we respond. Here's a bold prayer. I'm inviting you to pray this prayer. Now, again, if you're not willing to answer this prayer, if you're not willing to, like, do what you have to do to hold up your hand, don't pray it. But here's the bold prayer. Speak, for your servant is listening. I'm going to give you a second right now, in the peace of this room, to whisper in your voice that very same prayer. To take a second pause, whether you're watching this in the living room or watching this on a car or whatever. Maybe you need to get off the treadmill or get off the walking path and just pause and ask yourself, am I willing to pray this bold, dangerous prayer? And then if you are, pray it here, now, together. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We're listening, God. Speak to us as individuals, but oh God, would you speak to us as a whole? What we could do together far outseeds and far exceeds what we could do on our own. Yes, we need individual healing, but we need corporate healing. We need city healing. We need change. We need you. So speak. And God, let us, let us on our end do everything we can to be found listening. Amen. So where we're going in this series is we're going to dive into 
different ways in which God speaks to us. And hopefully at the end of this four weeks, you will have learned how to hear God's voice better. So today, we're diving into actually how to hear God through his word, like his word, the Bible. Then next week, we're going to dive into how do we hear God through pain. Do not miss next week. You know somebody who's going through something right now? Invite them. Share the thing with them. Invite them to come here with you if they're open to that. How does God speak to us in the midst of our pain? The week after that, we're going to be talking about how to hear God through promptings, how to hear God through those little gentle nudges. You see that person, you're like, ah, yeah, I feel like I should do that. You know those things you ignore all the time. How does God speak through promptings, those nudges, Holy Spirit moments? And then the last week, we're going to learn about how God speaks to us through other people. I want to camp out for a second and talk about God's word. I want to to give some right off the bat things about God's word in regards to how he speaks to us through this. Here's the deal. God's word is the primary way in which he speaks to us. All those other ways, the three other ones that we're going to dive into, and there's some other options out there, but every one of those goes back up against the filter of God's word. Here's the deal. God will never speak something to you that contradicts his word. If you feel like you heard something to do that contradicts his word, and you feel like that thing was from God, sorry, friend, you're wrong. He's not giving you some new revelation. That's how cults get started. That's how new religions get started. What he said in here to you is true. On top of that, the filter through which we hear everything else goes back through this so that we know it can be trustworthy and true. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through today three ways primarily that explain to us how God speaks through his word. Now I want to start with how and how God does it before we lean into what you need to do because here's the deal. If you don't know how God speaks through his word, you're not going to know what to listen for. So the first way in which God speaks through his word is he guides. He guides. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 119, 105. It's going to be up there on the screens. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. See, this thing, guys, for us is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And it's not guaranteed to be a light to the whole entire path. It may very well at some times just be the light to the next step, but it is still a light to our path. And what we see here, God does through his word, and you've experienced this in your life, man, we want to come to God's word and we want to say, God, I, I got a question, I'm at a crossroads, I need to know what to do. What God's word does is it actually guides us into that. Now here's the deal, I said guide for a reason, because there's a difference between a leader and a guide, right? See, a guide goes beside And if you're in Christ, it's actually even better than that for you. You don't just have a guide who goes beside, but you have a guide who is inside. That's why it says that I have hidden God's word in my heart, so I have an internal compass that leads and directs me where I should go. And a guide, think about it in regards to not like a a tour guide or a a manual or a book, but think about guide in reference to almost like like if you were going on an excursion. Or you're going on a, on a hunting guide. You had, you had a hunting guide or a fishing guide. You had someone who was taking you on a trip, and they would go with you. They'd say, hey, yeah, go there. Don't go there. This hill coming up is hard. There's bears in that valley. Bears in that valley. Bears? Yes, bears in that valley. Don't go in that valley. See, a guide leads you and shows you where you actually need to go, and that's what God's Word does for us. Now, I want to guide you on how God's word is to guide you, okay? I'm going to give you some things that hopefully will help you understand, okay, if God's word is going to guide me, here are the things that I got to do. The first thing, some cautionary things. 
is when we go to God's word, we go to God's word first and foremost in prayer. When you show up to read God's word, and I know for a lot of you, man, you're like, I read the Bible and it's super confusing. I don't understand what's going on there. Here's the deal. Prayer before you start reading, I think oftentimes can solve a lot of that. Because here's the deal. The same Holy Spirit that is inside of you, if you're a believer in Christ, is the same Holy Spirit that through the pens of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Isaiah, Moses, the the prophets, penned all the things that you're reading here in God's word. Now, one of the things, there was a game changer, a, a, a spiritual life hack, if you will, for me and my own walk with Jesus that I would encourage everyone to do is stop separating reading the Bible and prayer. A lot of times we come and we say, well, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray for 15 minutes and I'm going to read my Bible for 15 minutes and then good to go, I'm going to work. Stop. You can do that. But man, do the scriptures come to life when your reading of God's word is commingled with prayer and the words become life. And what you go from is not anymore just a, a monologue. You now have a dialogue between you praying God's word, reading it, and thinking through it. So that's the first thing. If you're going to go to God's word, be in prayer. Next thing, be in context, okay? So you don't show up to God's word and go, hey, what does this mean for me? Because here's the thing, you know, some people, are like, they got a big question, you know, figuring out, God, what do I need to do in my life? And you just flip through and there's, God... And Judas hung himself. That's, uh, all right. Nope. Not for me. That's, again, you can't go to God's word like that. We go to God's word, and when you read stuff, the first question you, you should ask is not, what does this mean for me? The first question you ask when you go to God's word is, what did this mean for the people who originally heard this? The next part you go from after that is instead of asking, what should I do? More important than what should you do is who you are. Okay? Those of you who are parents know this. How many parents, when your kid's getting ready to leave the house, Tim preached about this a few weeks ago when he preached. They said, remember who you are. When you know who you are, you know what to do, right? So when we go to God's word, we don't first and foremost go, what do I do? We go and go, God, who are you? Not who am I, who are you? When we get an understanding of who God is, the type of father he is, when we see the way Jesus cares for people, loves people, the way he uh, challenges people, the way he calls people out for their wrongdoing, the way that he lovingly guides people who are, who are living in sin, and he lovingly meets them where they're at and guides them into ways of truth. Those are the ways where we can see, okay, that's who they are. And then, and only then, you go, okay, now I know who I am. And again, when you know who you are, you know what to do. Third thing a way to be able to guide you into being guided by God's word the right way. First one is be in prayer. Next one is make sure you're in context. Last one is make sure you're in community. God's word will mean so much more to you if you are reading it in the context of you and someone else. Okay, God's word is best meant to be experienced with someone else. That's why we pour into community groups. That's why we do that. If you're not a part of a community group, you're watching this online, you're like, I'm stuck in my house. I've been quarantined for like the last 37 days, it feel, or months, it feels like. Like, we'd love to plug you in. We're going to be doing community groups online and in person this year. We're going to make that happen. The second way that God speaks through his word to us is he teaches. He teaches. And the primary thing I believe that he teaches through his word is he teaches truth. And I don't know if there's anybody out there who's like me, and in this like crazy season of life that we've been in, you just find yourself going, I don't even know what's true anymore. Anybody else feel like you have a hard time knowing who to believe? Like, who do I trust? Who, what's real and what's not real? 
See, I believe that's why God gave us his word, to be able to teach us, to give us wisdom, to give us what's true. And this is why I think he said this through the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16. When we're talking about what scripture is and, and what it does, he said this. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed. The very breath that put the stars in the sky breathed this into existence. God breathed and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. And while we're in the midst of looking for the truth, we've got to know that the very same thing that the enemy did, you know, the, the snake in the garden, you remember everybody almost, even if you're not a church person, you remember when the snake, snake slithered up to Adam and Eve, he told them something that sounded like it was the truth. And that's some of what we're in right now. It's not so much that there are these things that are happening that are like so off the wall unbelievable. Most everything is like, yeah, well, that kind of sounds true. Well, that kind of sounds true, and that kind of sounds true. And because there is an overwhelming of kind of truth, we find ourselves in the same situation they found themselves in the garden, full of chaos, fear, and shame. And what God's word wants to do is it teaches us, is it wants to lead us into a different type of truth. That's why I love what it says in Ephesians. If you got a Bible, go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 is an absolutely life-changing chapter of God's Word. Absolutely life-changing. Ephesians 4, we're going to start in verse 11. And in the midst of all of this feeling like you can be blown away, and this way and that way, in the midst of all these things that are going on, how many of you would be willing to admit, sometimes it takes something very small to ruin your day? right? It doesn't take them that big all the time. Like, it can be the wrong coffee. You can show up, and it be decaf, or it can, you can show up, and it be Folgers, and not Dunkin', and you're like, they ruined. You can get traffic in Henry County, which I don't know why you expect anything different at this point, and you're just like, whatever. This morning, I'm coming into church. It's six o'clock, or it's earlier, and that's 530. There's not a soul on the road, and there's a train. I'm like, a train? Come on, a train. I'm kicking myself, going, why do, I go, why do I always go this way? This way is terrible. See, we get blown away by little things, but we also get blown around by big things. Big ways that the enemy wants to influence some other things. And that's why I love what Ephesians 4 says. Paul's writing to a church, church in Ephesus. And he says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. He, he, he gave those people to equip so our job us as pastors us as leaders us as teachers our job is to equip the people that's you guys to equip the people for the works of service now the thing that we equip you with is not evangel cubes is not testimony bracelets what we equip you with is the ability to hear from god and know what he's saying because when you have this you don't need an evangel cube. You don't need a WWJD bracelet. You know what Jesus did because you've read about his life. And so he says, he gave them to equip the people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 13, if you're tracking along. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. This is the key. We're leaning into this. Then we will no longer be infants. We won't act like toddlers on social media. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of every teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful schemings. There's ever a verse that felt 2020. It's this one. 
Now, again, I, I said this last week. Paul loves to show you how bad it's going to be and how bad it can be and then paint a picture of the good that it can be and that it should be. So verse 15, he turns that corner and says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love. His grand solution is speaking the truth in love. Now hear me, remember the Tomatis effect thing. The very beginning, speaking the truth in love. Why couldn't the opera singer hit the notes? Because he couldn't hear the notes. Why do we have a, such a hard time speaking the truth in love? Because we are not hearing the truth and love from our Father. We hear every bit of the rest of the world. We hear all the other clamor going around. We hear constant news feed. We hear constant messages saying that you've got to have this truck or you've got to measure up here. Or you've got to have this job or you've got to have that spouse. You've got to live in this neighborhood. We hear all these things. And because we don't hear those things, we can't speak the truth and love because we don't hear the truth and love. We hear a world that says you do everything you can to put yourself first. Make sure you're taken care of. So Paul's grand solution is one that we are tone deaf to oftentimes because we do not hear the voice of the Father speaking truth and love over us daily. He goes on. He says, instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow. Now here's the deal. God speaks to us differently as we grow. All right? Those of you who are parents, you don't talk to... Man, if you had an 18-year-old boy and you're still talking to him like you talk to your four-year-old girl or your four-year-old boy, it's, it's, it's going to cause some problems, right? And see, I think the reality is, is, is we all think that God should talk to us at the age that we are. Like, God should talk to me like a 23-year-old. The reality is, and I've had to come to this group with my own self, I may be 32 years old, but spiritually, I don't know if I'm at 32-year-old maturity. And some of us, we may have to go back to some elementary things that God wanted to speak into us to say, hey, you start acting and you start listening to this. Here's some hard truth, but it's the truth you need to hear. And then you will grow up. You will grow into the things that you want to hear. He said, God speaks to us differently. He said, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. So that's, what do you grow into? Do you grow into a better version of yourself? No, you grow into Christ. Those are the shoes you get to fill. Verse 16. For him, the whole body joined together, held together by every supporting limit, grows and builds itself up in love as such each part does its work. Love that verse. So good. Next way, third way, that God speaks to us through his word is he uses his word to encourage us. I don't know about you. How many of you guys, like, in the comments, hanging out there online, how many could just use some encouragement right now? Like, it's, it's tough out here, guys, right? We can use some encouragement. Like, you just see somebody, you're like, man, you got pants on today. You look like you're going to work. Good job. I'm proud of you. Like, we need it. We need some encouragement. And, and, and I'm telling you, God's word is the best place for that. I'm going to be honest, man, I'm vulnerable a little bit here. All my days aren't good days. And this, this, this idea of, of the frequencies and the things that we hear, man, there are bad days that I have, and it feels like maybe you can relate to this. When I have bad days, mentally, it feels like I'm in one of those old school cars and it has the dial where you can turn it and it's not on the steering wheel anymore, but the dial is turning and there's something that I hate to hear on that's being reverberated in my head. 
Usually it's something that, that the enemy has whispered in, something I've begun to believe, something that is a lie from him or a lie that I've made up my own self that I believe. And as much as I try to turn the dial, to tune into something else, I cannot get it off that station. And everything else I experience in the life around me, it puts it back on that dial. And some days, that recurring thing says, you're alone, and nobody knows what it's like to be you. You're alone, and nobody knows what it's like to be you. On my bad days, that song is on repeat. And that's a frequency I don't like. And that is why I'm thankful for verses like Psalm 139, one that I go back to. When I feel that way, I go back to this verse. I go back to this, and I say, no, 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 no. That's not the truth. I go back to Psalm 139, 1 through 5, where it says, You, God, have searched me. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Friend, I'll say to you the same thing that God has said to me. You are not alone. Single mom, struggling, trying to make ends meet, trying to put it all together, trying to be a father figure, trying to be a teacher, trying to be a provider. You're not alone. Man of God, trying to be pure, trying to do what's right, Feeling like you can never get out from the temptation and the constant things that are in front of you. And feel like you're the only one who's struggling with what you're struggling with. Brother, you're not alone. You're not alone. Your Heavenly Father knows you. He's there with you. He's not going anywhere. I love what he said. One of my verses that's been on my heart for a long, long time. Even before I found it, it was on my heart. Psalm 10, 14. Listen how good of God we have. But you, God, you see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief. You take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. And you are the helper of the fatherless. I don't know what kind of dad you have. I don't know if you feel like you're fatherless. I don't know what type of affliction you have. I don't know if it's driven you to grief. But I know who God is in the midst of that. And I pray that, that who he is and what he says here in his word, that encourages you in the midst of the pain, the frustration, the affliction, the depression, the anxiety, whatever it is you face. So those are the three things, guys. When you look at those three things, that through God's word, he guides us, he teaches us, and he encourages us. I don't think it is any coincidence that those are three things, that if you drew out a list of what makes a good father, those three things would find their way into most people's top ten. That a good dad guides, teaches, and encourages. And I don't think it's any coincidence that in Romans 8.14, God put his stamp of approval on those three things and how he speaks through his word. And in 8.14 of the book of Romans, he said, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
So he's a good father. And, and like any relationship with any human, whether it's father, whether it's mother, whether it's anybody, in order to have that good relationship, it takes consistently being in a place where you can communicate. Let me ask the married couples or engaged couples or dating couples in the room. How many of you in your relationship, you know the person who more often than not is the one who gets in trouble for a lack of communication? Don't elbow them. But who is it that gets in trouble for a lack of communication in your relationship? Or do you find going, will you just talk to me? Can, can, can we talk about it? Here's the deal. I think sometimes we allow the negative things about our relationships with humans to roll over and to be preconceived notions about our relationship with God. God is not a low communication leader. He's a father who loves you. He's a father who cares for you. And he's high communication. Here's the deal, though. Oftentimes, he doesn't scream at us. Those of you who are teachers in the room, you know, if you show up to one of those, the lunchroom, which maybe one day we'll get back to those, show up to the lunchroom and it's just chaos. The teachers in the room, or your, your classroom is chaos. The teachers in the room, they don't start screaming. Maybe sometimes they do. Depends on your style. But mo- my teachers, they didn't start screaming. They would do either that thing where they would like hold up two fingers, which is like some kind of Hunger Games thing I never really got onto. Or they would whisper, if you can hear me, sit down. If you can hear me, sit down. And then one by one, the kids who were closer oftentimes, they sit down and shut up. And then the whole rest of the class would. And see, the way I think you change a room, the way you change a city, the way you change a country is by a few individuals getting close enough to the gentle, calm whisper of a heavenly father, and then they start to change. And then someone else starts to change. And then we look around and a whole classroom has changed. A whole family has changed. A whole community has changed. Because some were willing to listen to the voice of a father. And I don't want to just leave it here with some great, like, okay, that's how God speaks. We're going to dive into some new things, okay? The big idea, the bottom line that I, I hope, the big call to action in this is that we would tune out of the false and frantic and tune into the father. The false and frantic isn't going anywhere. Okay? They're not going anywhere. If anything, they're going to try to turn that dial up more. Because that dial of the falseness, that dial of fear, that dial of frantic, you know what it does? It divides. And it makes people want to watch it. Because we all want our beliefs to be proved to be true, and so we'll insulate ourselves with those things. And I've done like you. Like, I, I've been guilty of saying, God... I want to hear from you. And and God, I'm listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And I've done that like you've done that. But I've kept every notification on this thing on. I've had it in my back pocket just buzzing on my butt bone every time something bad happens. And I've got all the notifications. I've got all the social media things. I've got every news outlet. And it's all just hitting me right there. And it's really hard to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening when I allow the rest of the world to be volume at 10 in my life through this thing in my pocket. And for you, it may not be a thing in your pocket. It may be something on the TV. It may be a computer screen, whatever it may be. But here's what I want to challenge us to do collectively as a church. 
And so we're first and foremost, we're going to do what we can do to tune out of the frenzy and the fear. And so what this looks like, what I'm challenging you to do, if you're brave enough to pray the prayer, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, but you're not willing to circle back and actually put some legwork into that. You wasted your time praying it. That's bold, but I believe it's true. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to tune out of some form of media in your life. Maybe for you, that is social media. That's something where for you, like, man, this, I just get angry. I see this, and I just sparks these emotions, and I just need to shut it down because it's not doing anything for my heart. The noise is taking me further away from God. So you need to, you need to log out of all the accounts, change the passwords, give it to a spouse, give it to a friend, give it to me. <laughs> That'll be fun. And get rid of it. For some of you, like, you're maybe, you're maybe a little older, social media is not your thing. You need to turn the TV off. Stop. And I'm not just saying, like, the media that is the news. All of it. There's a, have you not realized there's a message in everything? There, there's a message in every show. Every show has some sort of spin on it that says, okay, well, we got to get this agenda pushed a little further down the field. You've realized that. Tune out all of it. For the end of the series. Now, here's what we're going to tune into. All right? We have, by the time you wake up from your Sunday afternoon nap, you will have an email in your inbox or you will be able to find it posted on all of our social media stuff, which, wait a while, at least get the link. <laughs> that will take you to a, a, a 30-day Bible app reading plan that will put you back in front of God's Word. And what this plan is, I'm excited about this plan because what it is, is, and, and again, Look, I'm not going to tell you to start in Genesis because I've all, man, I'm like you, fellas. Like, I've got to the these and the thous and then the so-and-so begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about in there, Jesus. What does this matter? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it simple. We're going to start with the life of Jesus. And what this is called, it's called a 30-day harmony of the gospel of Jesus. So it's Jesus' life. So it's going to bounce around from some of the gospels, but it's going to do its best to take you chronologically from Jesus' birth to Jesus' ascension, okay? And you will learn something about your Savior. You will learn something about yourself if you commit to putting yourself in front of His Word. You will hear from Him in ways that will blow your mind. You will start to see His Word come to fruition in your life. And I cannot wait to see what he does. We're going to give you a link to that. You can either do it right there. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, you, you'll be able to find it right there in the Bible app. We're going to be sending that out or posting that. Also, we're going to be sending out on the email. You don't just have to have it on your phone, okay? You can go to that on a computer. And as I've been thinking about this, I, I was like, man, we're going to make it as easy as possible. Next week, if you missed out, you come back next week, we'll have it printed out. If you're like, I'm fasting from everything that has to be plugged in and you're just going off the grid, like, we'll have a piece of paper here for you promise now here you're i hear some of you push back some of you going but trent this is a crazy time it's crazy out there i gotta know what's happening i got i gotta know what how many covid cases there are i gotta know i gotta know where the next riot is at i gotta know where these things are at listen call me get off of it call me at tuesday for your weekly report okay tuesday tuesday 12 o'clock I'll give you your weekly report. Go and go ahead and warn you. It's going to be short, but I'll give you your weekly report, and you're going to be good to go. All right? Can we do this, church? It's going to be good. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, I pray for those who maybe have never heard you speak. 
that you would use these next 30 days, God, to open their eyes, open their ears, unclog their heart to be able to hear from you, God. And as they hear from you, God, as we hear from you, now, God, we will finally have something worth saying. And I pray for your church, God, that you would move in our midst, that we would be drawn to you, God, like never before. We'd feel your presence. We'd feel your heartbeat. Jesus, as we dive into your life, pray that we are able to see you for who you are and know what to do because we see you doing it. We thank you for what you've done, Jesus. We thank you that it is finished. I pray as you speak to your people, your servants. We're listening, God. We're, we're turning our hearts to you. We're turning our lives to you. Speak to us over the course of this life, these next four weeks, God, and from there on after. In your name, amen. Before we go back into a time of worship, we're going to get a chance to celebrate communion together where we remember this, this body of Christ that was broken for the sins of all mankind and this blood of Christ was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And friends, whether you're watching this in person or you're watching this after the fact, or you're watching this online. There is no greater message that speaks volumes to the fact that there is no length that Jesus would not go to to show you how much you matter, how much you mean, and how much he loves to you. There is no greater message that you need to hear than the message that is found in this broken piece of bread and this cup of juice that represents his blood. And I pray as you meet with him right now, as you commune, that you sense him speaking directly into your heart today. Taste and see, church, that the Lord is good.